Welcome to Charity Chats, I'm your host Samuel Davies. In this episode I speak with friend of the show, Howard Lake. Howard is the founder of UK Fundraising and co-founded Good Jobs. He is a digital fundraising entrepreneur and non-profit consultant. I've had the pleasure of speaking with Howard before for the podcast and also as a blogger for UK Fundraising myself, which is a fantastic place to find out more about fundraising and its many forms and practices. In this episode, Howard and I cover a fair few things. This is really a summary of the movements, opportunities, and of course, the terrible challenges that fundraising has seen because of the pandemic, and also the underlying issues in society that fundraising seeks to help to address. Knowing that Howard has worked thoroughly within the sector over three decades, with a finger on the pulse of for fundraising news, thanks to the UK fundraising website, among other things he's involved in. I wanted to see through his eyes as he took a look back over the past 12 months at how the sector, and fundraising specifically, has fared. This episode is brought to you by our platinum sponsor, Charity People. So without further ado, here is Howard Lake speaking with me about fundraising through the pandemic. I'm, I'm delighted to welcome back to the show, friend of the show, Howard Lake. How are you doing, Howard? I'm very well, thanks, Sam. How, how are you? I'm very well, thank you. It's been some time yeah. since we last spoke. Of course, uh, since we last spoke, we've seen this uh, terrible pandemic and uh, and it's kind of changed all of our lives, hasn't it? It has. I think the last time we met was in a, in a cafe, sitting it about was. one foot, two feet away from each other. I know. Yes. I don't think we'll be doing that for some time. Um over the past 13 months, uh, we've heard a lot about the impact on fundraising from the closure of events like the London Marathon and the inevitable drying up of face-to-face fundraising opportunities. We've spoken to the likes of Jane Curtis, Nick Bird and Zoe Ammer about virtual events, Facebook fundraising and charities going digital over the last few months. And our regular listeners will have a good idea from their own lived experience and from listening to these episodes and others about the challenges and potential opportunities that fundraising has had over this past year. As the founder of UK Fundraising, I know you've got your finger on the pulse. I read your blogs and uh, you've been paying close attention to the various trends that fundraising has been going through over the past year. From your point of view, what are charities doing better than they may have done prior to the pandemic? Thanks, Sam. I think uh, there's quite a few things to say. Yes, I've been very lucky to to be watching, um, trying to understand, to help if I, where I can, to understand what has been going on in fundraising and in donors' attitudes as well. And yes, you've, you've said that plenty of the people you've, you've spoken to recently have come up with some very good, good advice. I think um, what I'd probably point out is, is several things. One is that I'll start off from a positive, um, that this is now through the hellish experience of the past year for most people, um, we probably have the most resilient generation of fundraisers um, of all ages. Those who have been around a long time, those who just started in fundraising probably just the day before, or, you know, as, as the pandemic bit. Yeah. So the fundraisers have gone through the hardest year ever um, that anyone in working for a charity has, has experienced in 30, 40, 50 years. Um, so 
although we probably don't recognize that at the moment, to me, we've got leaders, we've got individual fundraisers who've been through that. And fine, not everyone has had a successful time. Charities have gone under. But I would say in general, I'm, I'm very positive about that. And I think we will look back on this and see that time as a, as a, as a sort of period of growth, consolidation, um, and sort of positive experience for many fundraisers, although it certainly doesn't feel like that at the moment. Another positive, I think, is because fundraisers have got used to moving at speed. Um, and I know from many fundraisers that that tends to be one of the challenges we always face is to get organisational buy-in and to move, to grasp the opportunities we can see, um, which don't always get, we don't always convince um, whom we need to. But organisations have moved forward at huge speed in some areas, which is wonderful. And the whole organisation has. It's not just one team with good budget or perhaps a good leader. It's whole organisations have been forced to move forward. Um, I spent quite a lot of time looking at how the outside world views us, and I think a lot of us have come up with some very um, or clarified positions of how government um, understands or doesn't uh, the charity sector, how external external partners, corporates, funders, um, and individual supporters, how they view and value um, charities. So I think that's that's been encouraging. Um, I've got lots, actually, most of the stuff I'm telling, talking about are, are really quite, quite positive. Charities collaborating uh, because they had to, but also because they were offered the opportunity to by some far-sighted people like the 2.6 challenge um, course, yeah. and the resultant and the, um, the Captain Tom Foundation as well, mm. um, which is being repeated now at the end of this month mm. in April. So good stuff there. Fundraisers themselves just doing what they needed to to support other fundraisers. So the fundraising um, fundraising furlough group, chat group on Facebook, just mm. a wonderful resource, um, which I just know has, has helped so many. So yeah, I've got quite a few things that I think charities or their fundraisers have done, have done better um, because they have to. And it's an interesting thing, isn't it? The, this, uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of neuroscience. I listen to uh, other neuroscience podcasts, and this this idea of there's there's one example where um, they they looked at people having a disrupted route to work, and they they measured that a lot of people then took a second different route to work, and then even when that disruption on their original route to work um, was stopped, and they were able to go back to doing kind of the route that they'd originally taken. Um, they used their second route because it was more efficient. And I guess is that is that is that kind of a, a bit of a complicated analogy? But is that potentially an, an analogy for how we might see fundraising and, and the sector moving? I do hope that's true. Yes, I mean that 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 rings true to me. I'm sure there'll be plenty of people who are just content to get back to doing the ways they felt comfortable with. But equally, so many of us have been pushed beyond their comfort zone. That yes, you're probably right. That will we will probably be doing that. Um, mostly unthinkingly, I think, but in a, in a, that's that's yeah, I'm quite quite encouraged by that. And I think so, a lot of us will take on additional responsibilities as well, and almost sort of like a sort of mentoring experience. And I'm mm. thinking of that. Um, looking looking back, I remember when the uh, the 2008 financial crash happened, and again, most fundraisers were very very alarmed at what was coming. I remember there was some um, old hands. Yep. Um, white males who'd been in fundraising for a long time who at one of the big conferences at that time just actually called a last minute it was on the last day of the conference yeah. a last minute of meeting just to try and share what they'd learned about fundraising um over the years and other crises that they'd lived lived and worked through um, and at that time I was really grateful for that 
I now find myself or other contemporaries in that position, people who've been through recessions, mm. sudden um, sort of challenging times, um, who can pass on that baton that people continue to give. Charities will still be needed and there will be people that recognise that and that fundraisers are needed as much as ever, skilled fundraisers. So, yes, an interesting mix of change, but also... It's the knowledge of people who've been through something like this, and I accept no, none of us have been through something exactly like this. But yeah, I'm, I'm taking a glass half full approach. Equality, diversity and inclusion, both within the sector and within society at large, seem to have been gaining momentum over this past year as issues that need to be addressed. We've seen the Black Lives Matter movement, of course, both in the United States and here in the UK and elsewhere. And of course, the recent controversial findings from the UK government's Commission on Race and Ethnic Disparities. Um, how is EDI being represented in the conversations fundraisers and funders are having? How do you think this might change fundraising when we come out of the other side of this pandemic? I think it's already changed fundraising. Um, it, how is it being represented daily from the sort of long-standing need for equity and the, the and the very very bad practices that large elements of fundraising have and fundraisers and charities and mm -hmm. us have perpetrated um, over the years. So yeah, there is no going back. This is a daily conversation and a daily challenge to to many of us, um, and rightly so. Uh, so again. That's that's encouraging. It's taken its time. Some of these challenges have been around. I've worked in fundraising for over 30 years, and they are the same challenges that um, were being shared, um, mm. discussed, um, sometimes tackled, but not to the degree of, of resolving any of them. Um, I think also what it's brought out has been the challenge, uh, the, been the confidence to challenge the status quo. Mm. Fundraising is not um, run by one particular group. Um, or certainly shouldn't be, and that I take courage. I take, I, yeah, I'm very, very encouraged by that. There have been some good early wins, and possibly some of the easier things to fix. So the great successes of show the salary, non-graduates welcome, just people thinking differently and telling others. And because of social media, because of our networks, um, these are unavoidable. And it's bumpy. It's uncomfortable. There are other other ways to do this as well that complement this, but social media is the way to get action done at the moment. Yeah, I see this as encouraging. I see the people's willingness to call out bad practice against organisations, against approaches, mm. um, and against individuals. Sometimes is is encouraging. It's it's different voices at last saying something that we we needed to hear, whether we knew that or not. And you, you mentioned before, as you say, social media, and we've, you mentioned the uh, the different groups on Facebook, including the furlough group and the fundraising groups. And, and of course, the, the work of UK fundraising too. this kind of uh, building a um, kind of lines of communication between fundraisers and between charities to express this. And hopefully, and I suppose that's what we're about too. hopefully um, encouraging this evolution in thinking and, and uh, actually making positive changes to the sector as a part of. Uh, making bigger bigger changes to society as well. 
Exactly. I mean, that's what I love about Charity Chaps, the, the range of voices you've got and the range of topics. And they're not the topics that certainly I would have thought about five years ago, 10 years ago. So it's not just social media. It is publications, media channels, platforms, whether you've you know, whether you run a platform or whether you have access to one, um, they are the, the messages, the challenges and the criticisms are being heard loud and clear. And they're, yeah, they're not going away. So absolutely recognise that and welcome that. So as, as well as EDI, uh, we've seen the evolution and publicising of other progressive movements. We mentioned a couple of them, including uh, campaigning for an end to violence against women. The charity sector has seen public examples of sexual harassment within the fundraising uh, world since uh, such as for example 2018 the financial times report on the president's club men only dinner how do you hope charity fundraising practices will evolve to recognize the need for change like this i think it, it already is i'm not saying that in any sense of suggesting that these have been ta tackled effectively they haven't um but the people calling for changes and convincing others um, and dragging yet more with them are rising in influence and rising in um, their role within the charity fundraising sector. The charity fundraising sector is different and will become more so um, because of this, because too much of what, what we have been aware of or not been aware of and wrongly so um, is, is being challenged by people who've had that lived experience um, and, and are demanding more. So yeah, I suppose the only change is that people who are not working hard to change that, to change themselves, to recognise that, are probably holding it back a little, but it's, I'm, again, I'm encouraged by, by, these, by these voices and the movement, mm -hmm. the different movements. And, and the debates, some of them are about broader social issues, others are about how to fundraise, and, and it's got the ethos of fundraising, so the current strong debate about community-centred fundraising against donor-centred fundraising. It's, it's very outspoken, but it's but necessarily so. And it's, it's how do you fundraise? I mean, it's at the very basic level. And that's, yeah. to me, always a welcome conversation and debate, and certainly from new views that are different from those that have, that have dominated for arguably too long. is my impression I'm, and as a fundraiser myself I know that a lot of my work is is uh, kind of uh, supporter facing or customer facing however however it wants to be defined and I guess you know in those conversations with funders I, I've experienced more conversations around and and always really I suppose kind of the topics that you know that are close to, to mind you know the topics in the news those kind of conversations come into funding pitches I find and building relationships with funders do you think with that in mind that fundraisers almost at the kind of the coalface of um, representing their charities views on some of these topics I think that's what drives it fundraisers are right in the middle of of dealing with organizations individuals of all backgrounds and interests and reasons for supporting and and views on on society so yes i think we've always had to tread a careful line between representing the charity having our own professional self-respect and getting the message across in whatever channel or or, or style works for for the charity that is appropriate for, for both charity and and supporter Mm. Yeah, I think that's, that's always been the case. I think it's just more so. I mean, whether whether you define it as culture wars, 
um, or just uh, you know a far more enlightened view to issues of, of EDI. Um, yeah, I think that's that's one of the challenges of being a fundraiser. Um, and the more the wider experience and the wider range of people that fundraisers represent, or you know their their experience has, has or the experience they have, I think is is all for the better. We'll be able to talk to more people um, in more realistic ways. And I guess part of the, I mean, I suppose the the jury's probably out, and and it's probably a case by case basis as to, you know, in and there do seem to be. Um, higher profile of culture wars um just from looking at the news but i you know i suppose that it's a tricky tricky um landscape for organizations to tread isn't it whether they take a side in the culture war, whether they you know are they doing justice to their beneficiaries by getting involved or not getting involved and i guess the uh it's probably not something we can answer now but it, it's certainly uh it, it seems like there, there's a lot of kind of discussions that maybe um are being had and, and maybe need to continue to be had on an organizational level and even on a, a sector-wide level around uh, kind of the position that uh, charities need to take on certain things and how they can support certain things. Yes, you're right. But I think that's that's sort of has always been the case. Cultural wars is a modern term, but I think there were just sort of ongoing issues about charities. Any charity that is in most charities involved in some way of bringing about change. Um, and change always undermines someone's position of, of power, influence, and so on. And I know that's quite ironic because that's also one of the um, issues being leveled against fundraisers, fundraising, and some of the bodies in the sector as well. Um, but yes, I think that that has always been the issue. I mean, the great Dom Helder Kamara, the um, churchman who was who was said, you know, whenever I talk about, I can't quote him directly now, but basically, if, if he wants to give to the poor, then he's fine. But um, but if he wants to question why people are poor, why there's poverty, um, that's regarded as political. And he paid for his life with that. So that's mm. an extreme example of, uh, of you know, tensions within of society's views of, of charity. Just good old Victorian philanthropy of handing out charity or social change and social justice. The pandemic seems to have forced many charities and voluntary groups to find new ways of doing things, as we've already, as we already talked about, including fundraising. Of those that have demonstrated an ability to think differently and embrace new ways of doing things, who are who are you taking inspiration from at the moment? I think there's so much to be taking to, to be taking inspiration from from individual fundraisers first off, and we've mentioned the furloughed fundraisers chat group, um, but also the fundraising chat group as well, which is kind of the, the heart of much much fundraising um, inspiration and, and sharing. So that is, is encouraging. Yes, that predated the pandemic by about five years, but as, as those, all of those resources have, have th- thrived during that. And many of the people who've joined them have, have publicly said how much they've benefited from them, whether from mental health or just from sort of professional understanding and opportunities, finding jobs, finding a new role or volunteering role. Um, inspiration, personally, I probably, I'm always looking to some, some of the, Organisations with bigger picture views uh, looking at what's next. So the UNICEF innovation team, Innovation Lab, has always um, impressed me. And so too was the uh, the innovation campaign that competition that was run for fundraising um, ideas in the last quarter of 2020. Um, that was fascinating to see people with really big ideas of transforming giving, um, unblocking giving, um, all with a sort of a tech approach. But but that that 
I was really encouraged by and I hope to see more more of those. Um, but also I'm, I'm trying to spend time, one of the joys of UK fundraising is I get to see what's going on in fundraising, but also try and see what else is happening in sort of the broader social picture or business picture. Um, what's What are people working on? What have, what's happened? So some of the changes to the fintech um, industry um, and how various people in commerce and finance who've been made redundant or were on furlough last year have used their time remarkably well to actually put into ideas, side hustles or other sort of projects with other um, partners to produce charity focused or related uh, tools um, and, and platforms. So again, I think it's probably too early to say, but I think in a, in, you know, a few years time, we'll look back to 2020, 21 as a time of great energy industry in terms of these new ideas, many of them from sort of new areas, not from fundraisers like you, you or me, however thoughtful we might be, um, that I think will probably be transforming giving in, who knows, five years, 10 years time. That's certainly what I hope. So that's kind of where I've been looking for uh, to try and find out what's what's next and first sort of doses of, of encouragement about people thinking about the challenges that fundraising haven't, hasn't yet resolved. Howard Lake, thank you for contributing again to Charity Chat. Thank you, Sam. And let's do it over tea and coffee next time. <laughs> Absolutely. A big thank you to Howard Lake for joining us again for a very thoughtful and reflective Charity Chat. Listening again to our chat, it occurs to me that We have, of course, all gone through the hardest year ever, likely in a personal way, but I'm willing to bet that certainly in a professional way. Speaking specifically about fundraisers, Howard made the good point that charities have leaders and individual fundraisers who have gone through this very difficult time and yet continue to demonstrate resilience, innovation and a willingness to continue to do the work that they do so well. Will we see the results of this resilience and strength of virtue tackling societal problems in the future like never before? I guess we each have to wait and see. We have, of course, seen charities collaborating over the past year. We've seen funders collaborating. We've seen the government supporting the sector, albeit with criticism for not having done enough. And of course, questions over how well the government, the Charity Commission specifically, understand and support the sector, especially during this extremely difficult time where so many charities have been asked to do more than ever before to help people and other causes in our society. Howard talked about the conversations he is seeing and hearing among fundraisers and funders about equity, diversity and inclusion, EDI. And while talk is not enough, it at least appears that there is some willingness to address the disparities within fundraising and the sector and society at large. There seems to be an increase in confidence to challenge the status quo of fundraising. The success of Show the Salary and Non-Graduates Welcome are two movements which seem to be gathering steam and support, which is brilliant. We've seen individuals, groups and organisations calling out bad practices. Social media groups such as the Furlough Facebook group, which we have spoken about, of course, before in episode 90, of the podcast and various fundraising groups sharing knowledge and expertise like never before. 
the pandemic has demonstrated both the inequalities in our society as well as the injustice, the greed, the divisions. But like any two-sided coin, there is another face, one of hope, unity, cooperation and belief that by dedicating our life force to help others, we can succeed at progressing society to be vastly improved for the generations that follow us. With the world in flux as much as it is and seemingly polarised on so many fronts, the term culture war seems to me to be more prevalent now than ever before. In this case, what role do fundraisers and the charities they work for have in speaking about? Should charities try and keep out of these vehemently opposing arguments? Or does it depend on which ones are relevant to their cause and the need they're aiming to address? Howard made a very sage reference to Dom Helder Camera, who said, when I feed the poor, they call me a saint. When I ask why the poor have no food, they call me a communist. The challenges we face are already pushing some to question the status quo and demand fundamental changes. In our sector, we see so much need and do our best to meet it. In our personal and professional lives, can we do more to demand social change and social justice too? As Howard mentioned, there is a new generation, a new group of people that we can look to for inspiration. So thank you, dear listener, for getting this far with us. We hope you enjoyed this episode and continue to enjoy the podcast. We'd love to hear from you either way. It's just left for me to thank our corporate sponsors, our platinum sponsor, Charity People, for enabling us to share insights, expertise and best practice across our sector. Giant Squid Audio Lab for sponsoring our podcast kit. Magda Axmit for our beautiful website. Check it out at charitychat.org.uk and Forest of Fools, who have been playing throughout the show and are playing us out right now. That's it from me. Keep on doing what you can. Cheerio. Bye-bye.